Our Welcome in Cube Show podcast, a college football podcast that comes to you on Sundays because we need more college football content on Sundays. We're going to be with you each and every Sunday. And you know we're going to bring you information. We're going to bring you insight. We're going to preview things, talk about things, certain players, certain coaches. That coaching carousel, a little bit more busy in the SEC right now. I think a lot of NFL jobs happen a little bit later. Therefore, the cycle happening a little bit later. And with the portal, I think it's just changed a lot of things. And there are a lot of coaches that are seeing some NFL jobs come open, and they're taking them a little bit later than we thought. Used to be that original signing day, that would come around, and then you see that last wave of coaching movement. Well, the original signing day is not even really a signing day anymore. you got a handful of kids that will utilize that. With the early signing period, it just jumbles things up that much more. NFL season goes a little bit longer, obviously because games have been added, and I think that bumps some guys back. Um, that being said, we're brought to you by Wickles Pickles each and every week. Wickedly delicious. Check them out in your local grocery store. I told you about my buddy, Matt Norby, that was coming to town. He said, I got to have Wickles Pickles. So I went and got the giant jar. I'm currently in Orlando, Florida. I've got an XFL today, XFL game today. It's Sunday. Uh, so we've got uh, a little, little Brahmas at Guardians at Camping World Stadium on ESPN. Uh, check that out if you're if you're watching. Uh, obviously, try to tune in the XFL every week. We always appreciate that. It's been fun so far. One weekend, you're going to get a lot of behind the scenes stuff, a lot of cool conversations. Hear the coaches calling plays. We'll talk to players on the sideline. It's cool. It's fun. It's different, but it's obviously unique. Um, but you you look at Wickles Pickles and my buddy Matt comes in town. Got to have him. So I actually opened the giant jar. So I'm not going to have that even when I'm home anymore. I'm in a hotel now, but I uh, can get him here in Orlando. He's like, how do I get them? Go to the website, order them. He loved them. Gave him the Wickles okra. He loved that as well. So you got a lot of different options. Wickles Pickles, Wickedly Delicious. They sponsor this podcast each and every week. Uh, So let's talk about not only some coaching changes. There's a player that I want to talk to you about that's transferring. Went and studied his game a little bit more. But now we're going to start to move into, and a couple of you guys asked about this last week. You tweeted at the show, at Cube Show. You can go tweet at us there. Find us on Instagram, at Cube Show. Please uh, follow along with us. We always appreciate that. If you're watching on YouTube or if you haven't, please go subscribe. Go check out some of the older videos if you want. Um, but went and talking about some different things throughout the course of this show, you have asked, are we going to preview certain teams for spring ball? What does every team need? Well, we're not going to do them all, but we're going to give you one spring preview today because there's a team that starts practice Monday, which would be tomorrow, but depending on when you're listening, uh, the Auburn Tigers start spring practice on Monday, so we'll preview their spring. Just take a look at what we want to learn, what we're going to see, things about the system, guys coming in, how they're going to be able to plug and play, what's the depth chart going to look like, guys you need to keep an eye on as to where they're being played, how they're progressing through the course of the spring, and there's different things that I think are going to be worth watching. And then we'll do it for every team. Now, we might jam a couple into one show. We're not going to do all 14 in one show because we like to keep this thing kind of tight for you between 30, 45 minutes. So we'll get that going for you today. Talk about some coaching movement and talk about a player as well. So that coaching movement that I referenced, let's get to that first. Florida sees a couple different coaches that are moving out. Some people are concerned about this. I always think about the Nick Saban approach here. It's one thing I've told you guys I respect about Coach Saban. He's never fired an assistant coach. So some of these, I do think... At least one or two of these, probably Billy saying, if you can find something, it it might be beneficial for both of us if you just go move on. Others, listen, you're going to have, we talked about this with Grantham a couple of weeks ago at Alabama. Some of these guys just want to get to the NFL. This college schedule is just too much for them. It's a grind. Uh, The recruiting goes year round. And even if some guys you told them they had to recruit year round, they would have said, oh, okay, cool. 
But if you'd have told guys when they were getting into this, you're going to have to recruit your roster all year round, they're probably not going to be for that. They're not going to want to do that. So that's where I think the headaches really come in is now you got guys that you feel like are solidified on your roster. You're going to be able to count on for depth or you're going to be able to count on a battle for a position and they might be gone one day when you wake up and get a text saying, oh, coach, I hit the portal. Sorry, I'm out. And the coach, he didn't have to tell the coach. It could be administration telling you so-and-so just entered the portal. Um, good luck trying to win him back and maybe you can get him back onto the team. So that being said, Austin Armstrong comes in to take over as a defensive coordinator spot. You can go back, I believe, two episodes ago and the Twitter feed tweeted this out, kind of reshared it again. We talked a lot about Austin when he was going to go to Alabama to be an assistant coach there. I think he was going to handle linebackers there. Uh, I know for a while he didn't even really know exactly what his role was going to be. He was helping with recruiting. He was on the road. Um, but Austin Armstrong, brilliant offensive mind. Uh, he's been around Kirby Smart. He's been around Coach Saban. He's been around Ron Roberts, uh, who is going to be the new defense coordinator at Auburn, who we'll talk about here in just a moment. But he's been around Billy Napier at Louisiana Lafayette. So he was there at the Cajuns on that staff with him and Patrick Tony. And I still think Patrick Tony's a really good football coach. I think last year was a tough year for Florida. You had certain guys that didn't really fit the scheme and have an understanding of how they needed to operate it. They didn't have certain body types that they needed at certain places. Uh, I do think Austin is a little more versatile. I think Austin will come in and bring some different fronts, some different looks, and that's going to be able to help some, some maybe lack of versatility that Florida has along that front seven. So that is going to be a benefit bringing him in. I also think one thing, here's what I love about Austin. It's, it's how he's able to take very complicated things defensively and make them sound very simple. He's able to teach them in a very easy way. Uh, Austin and I have gone through, I had him in his bowl game this last year when he was at Southern Miss and talked to him for a long time on the field, talked to him leading up to that game. We met with him and he talked a lot about how he installs his defense. It took me through that entire process and it's it's laid out in a way that makes it very easy to, I guess, consume and then regurgitate if you're a part of that defense. Now, does that mean Florida has all the bodies to be able to go out and be a dominant defense this year? No, it doesn't. Uh, I still think you look at that roster, they're just they're not what you anticipate a Florida team to be on the defensive line, specifically inside and at pass rusher. Like we're used to seeing dudes off the edge. Um, you know, whether it was Zachary Carter, whether it's Alex Brown, Javon Kirsch, whatever. Uh, we're used to seeing dudes inside. Uh, Ellis Johnson, Gerard Warren, like we're used to seeing guys like Gervon Dexter. And we told you last week, there's a transfer from Memphis coming in, a defensive tackle that I think could probably help a lot. Uh, so Austin's going to have some bodies in the middle to be able to work with, but you got to get some guys in better shape that can give you more reps and be able to help rotationally. And you lose a lot of experience at linebacker. Uh, I think Princely can help off the edge, but he's going to have to really find a couple of guys that are able to understand everything, regurgitate it, teach it, coach it on the field, and then be able to help. But he'll he'll have different looks for different things. I'm just I'm telling you guys, he is a brilliant defensive mind, and he just knows how to coach it, and he loves his guys, and his guys love him. If you're a Florida fan, you should be excited about this. Uh, and it's that's not a knock on Patrick Tony. I know things didn't go great last year, but it's not always just on the play caller. Sometimes things just aren't going to work out. It's not a great fit at that time. And I think that's kind of what it was. Now, some of the other guys leaving, I mean, listen, you get a receiver coach, got a chance to go to the Broncos. Obviously, you've got a great NFL quarterback. I don't know about the situation there, Jerry Judy there. That's a pretty good deal to be able to go do that with some veteran guys that you're probably not going to have to spend a ton of time coaching up in the ways that you would in college football. And then you get away from the grind that is college football. So I think there are a couple of others, though, that just 
maybe realize it was time to go. I wouldn't be overly concerned about a mass exodus because the core of what Billy wants and needs on his staff is still there. He hasn't lost that. So that, to me, is not problematic. Um, now, we'll talk about that team and preview that team going into spring a little bit further down in this show because uh, that's going to be an interesting one when you look at that schedule. Uh, the wins look like they are going to be more difficult to find than I think a lot of people believe. And the number of wins may be a lot more successful if Florida is able to get to a certain number than Gator fans want to believe. That's for another day. We'll get to that later. Also, show brought to you by Blue Delta Jeans, BlueDeltaJeans.com. Custom denim, comfortable denim, flexible denim. It still looks like you're going out for a nice meal, maybe even going to church. My Blue Deltas are fantastic. I got a pair in my suitcase right now. If I need to go grab dinner or if I need to just go to the store, they're great for everything. I can use them. I wear them on the plane. They're flexible. I'm not going to be constricted. Blue Delta jeans, the best denim, the best jeans money can buy. You will not need another pair of jeans if you go Blue Delta. Tell Nick and the guys you heard about us right here on Cube Show when you reach out. All right, so I mentioned the guy that I watched in the portal, Caden Priestkin, Priestcorn uh, out of Memphis. Uh, kind of touched on him just a little bit last week. Here's the good news for Ole Miss is you get Trig back, so you got your athletic tight end that can stretch the middle of the field. And if you talk to Levy or Lane or any of these guys, they'll tell you that without that position, you can't really be what you need to be. Keep that in mind when we talk about Auburn and we preview the spring here just in a few minutes. I think this young man, though, brings a little more physicality. He's got solid hands, reliable hands, but he's going to bring you somebody when you want to run split zone and that tight end comes across the line of scrimmage, he'll add that physicality. He can be a bit of a thumper if he needs to. Uh, Not a dominating blocker, but very willing and wants to be good at it. You can tell he's got that inside of him. He's also a kid, I think, from a background perspective, that's kind of worked his way up. Um, I know Ryan Silverfield, those guys in Memphis, didn't really want to lose him. They thought he was going to be valuable. They thought they needed him back, so that tells you a lot. Uh, but I think he'll be a nice addition because I went back and watched a couple of his games and you see a young man that has no problem lining up in line, has no problem being a blocker, you know, not, not someone that when he's not going to catch the football kind of gives up on the play or gives half-ass effort. Uh, I think physically, too, Ole Miss just needs a little bit of that. I mean, you're, you're, you're losing Nick Broker, so you're losing some umph. You know Judkins going to have to be a guy that carries a lot of the load. You're going to be a run-first offense this year. So... You bring in a guy that can add some of that physicality along next to your offensive line, and that's going to be a big benefit. You can insert him. You can put him in line. He can help with some double teams, can help him pass pro if he needs to, and then he get out and catch the football a little bit. And then if you want to go 12 personnel, two tight ends, one running back, which is going to be dangerous for them, and you got a flex tight end that you can move out and trig, defense is going to be in a bind now. Because you go 12, defense is going to match that with big personnel, Trigg's going to be able to beat most of those guys, and you have a physical tight end that can match up with the bigger linebacker that's going to be in. So some simple numbers there that I think will equate to this helping Ole Miss, what they're going to be, what they want to be, what they need to be offensively. So it's a good personnel move for them. I like it. I think it's good. All right, so let's get into some spring previews. We'll do this throughout the course of the show. We'll cover every SEC team. Not going to do them all today. I think you try to jam all that in. That's a lot. So I'm just going to do Auburn today. They start spring practice Monday. We'll kind of flow through this as SEC teams begin spring ball. Um, got Hugh Freeze coming up on McElroy and Kubrick in the morning, Monday morning at 9 o'clock. If you want to tune into that, shocksfm.com. Uh, so looking forward to talking to Hugh about this team. What are some things that we're watching offense? Let's start there. We know quarterback, right? Robbie Ashford. Um, you, know, you got Hugh Freeze. You got Philip Montgomery. You got Kent Austin on this staff. So the development should be able to take place. 
TJ Finley still has a lot of experience. Keep in mind, TJ Finley's played a lot of football. Uh, you know, he was forced into being a starter at LSU. Uh, Bo Nix goes down. He's a starter at Auburn. He got to start in the bowl game, so he's played the postseason game. Like I think we forget sometimes that TJ Finley, even though it hasn't all been great, he's played a lot of football. Uh, and and I do think that there still may be some development left in TJ. Now he doesn't add the dynamic run ability that Robbie does, but he's a guy that still could give you a veteran presence from a certain standpoint. That's played a lot of ball and could potentially help you out, maybe as a starter or maybe just as a backup who needs to come in and play at times on your roster. Because we've seen all across college football, you better have two that can play. I mean, hell, we're talking about Auburn. That's a perfect example over the last couple of seasons. Uh, and Holton Garner is going to be there. I don't think you count him out. Um, when I talked to Hugh Freeze a couple of weeks ago, he likes him. He, he likes his competitive nature. Kid goes out, works his ass off, wants to try to be good, wants to compete for the job, and Hugh's going to let them all compete. Don't think that no, don't think that any of these quarterbacks are going to come into this situation and not have the opportunity to play. They absolutely will. But I want to go back to Robbie for a moment, and we mentioned it with TJ. Think about this with Robbie too. Yeah, he played a lot last year. I mean, he got about what a good. You know, three quarters of a season is like the guy, whatever it was. And go back to this time a year ago. And I had the Auburn spring game last year. So I met with Harson. I went to practice a couple of times. I called the game. Uh, Richard Cross and I were there on the sideline talking to Harson about Robbie during the game. And he was almost an afterthought right now going into spring ball. And then remember through spring ball, a little more discussion, a little more discussion, a little more discussion. And like midway through spring ball, it kind of got to like, oh, can we have a package for this guy? And then towards the end of spring ball, it's like, he's going to play. Now, this he might be, you know, what Damian Craig was his freshman year. And if Auburn fans are listening, they remember that, how Terry Bowden used him. I do. And he was red zone, short yardage guy. They ran bootlegs and sprint outs. And that was way before you had situational guys like Tebow. But that's what Damian did when he first got to Auburn. Could it be that? Or could it be a he might actually push for playing time like as the guy. So he came a long way in one spring. He didn't play a ton of football at Oregon. He missed the majority of his senior year at Hoover. So, and that's one thing that Hugh and I talked about a little bit is the, the amount of development that's left in these Auburn quarterbacks, I think is way past what a lot of people believe. We want to look at so many different players as finished products. Hell, guys, I can tell you, I, I didn't really get it, get it until I was going into my junior year. Now, that was a redshirt season, a redshirt freshman season, a redshirt sophomore season. So, I mean, red, you know, redshirt junior year was the year that it was like, all right, I know how to get everybody lined up. I need the mic. I know how to change the front. I know when to tell the quarterback that we need to run something different. I know when not to work with a certain guard. I know how to not make a call because I see a certain pressure coming because that's going to throw everything else off. And I can just pop this and get out and get it, but we don't need to fan the whole thing. Like that's when it was like, boom, 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 boom. I've got it. So just from a quarterback's perspective, hell, that's even more than what a center's going to have to deal with. So keep in mind that because also with TJ, remember at LSU, he that was a COVID year when he came in. So he comes in COVID year, and then all of a sudden he comes back and what is it, week six, seven? And what he's the LSU starter. He was the fourth string guy trying to learn how to be a college quarterback on Zoom. And then halfway through the season, hey, kid, uh, get in there. You're our guy. Now, that removes a lot of your development, even though you might start getting more and more reps and the reps help. But your development can still be way behind from that perspective. So going into this spring for Auburn, 
I'm excited to see what happens with the quarterbacks. I want to see what kind of development can take place. I, I, first and foremost, the attitude needs to be there. You need guys that take command in the room. You need guys that understand how to go in and be presidential, be the quarterback of the team, not just the quarterback room, not just the offense, but of the entire football team. If that attitude's not there, if they're still pouting and there's still guys that want to be guaranteed something, you take that shit somewhere else. It's just not what it needs to be. And so not only from a physical perspective, but I think mentally and emotionally, that room's got to develop. That room's got to come a long way if Auburn's going to find a way to go win seven to nine games this year because they need that kind of guy to be able to help lead this team. Now, what about in front of them? Um, I just think Dylan Wade's going to end up at left. The Tulsa transfer at tackle, I think he can be dominant. I think he's going to be a very good SEC offensive lineman. I've studied his game a lot. You know, a lot of people are saying that Gunnar Britton ends up over there. He played left for Western Kentucky. Uh, he's moved around a little bit too, as has Dylan Wade. But I want my athletic, my most athletic, and my potentially most dominant offensive tackle on the left side. I want my motherfucker, so to speak, on the left side. And I believe that that is Dylan Wade more so than it is Gunnar Britton. And so there have been a lot of depth charts. A lot of people are pushing him over there. I get, I understand. I know what people may have said, but I just think when the pads come on and they get out there and do it and they get out there and, and see who's got it, I think he ends up being that guy. Now, one of the problems, I think, with the Auburn offensive line this spring is you're going to have Jeremiah Wright probably not be full go. Remember, he had, he had a... Uh, a procedure after the season. So I don't think he's going to be ready to just put the pads on and get out there, go inside run and, you know, go through the T boards full speed and all that. Like, I don't think he's going to be ready for that. But we also know that Jeremiah Wright can play. I mean, he's the dude up front that's got the most shit about him and, or at least did the last few years. And I don't, I don't, I mean, I like Dylan a lot, but I don't think anybody's coming in there with more of an attitude than what Jeremiah brings to the table. I love that kid, but he needs to develop as an offensive lineman. So, Technically, fundamentally, Jake's got to find a Jake Thorne, the offensive line coach. He's got to find a way to utilize his time to develop him without maybe him being full speed, which sometimes can be a little bit tricky. But that gives guys like Jewel Irving, Cam Stutz opportunities to maybe make a push at guard. Avery Jones is going to be the guy at center. Now, is you know, is he going to be bullying people, pushing people around? No, he's not. But he's athletic enough to be able to handle a lot of what he's going to need to do. He can be able to get out in space in the screen game. He's going to be able to help multiple sides in pass pro. He's going to be able to cover up a lot of mistakes. And then I think Tate Johnson's a guy that was sort of thrust into some action last year that over time can end up being a good player. He's probably not ready right now. He's put on some weight, needs to get stronger, but somebody who maybe in an emergency can be able to help you out there. So, and, and, and I think Xavion Miller is probably the wild card in all of this because what if he comes in and he's one of the, the, the best two tackles and Jake's got to get his best five on the field. Could could Gunner kick down and handle it? Could Xavion is you know, Xavion's got a lot of length. Is he going to be able to handle guard? You know, a lot of a lot of these guys that are six five, six six, they they don't bump down to guard and handle it very well. It's not as easy as you think. It's different technically, fundamentally. You need a you, you need a different set of physical skills to play guard than tackle. Um, and I'm not saying that guard's more difficult than tackle. I, you guys have heard me before. I think tackle's the most difficult position on the field to play, especially to come in young and play. Uh, I haven't seen a ton of Xavion. I don't really know what we're getting. Um, I, I I don't know if you're looking at a guy that is super strong, has a ton of brute strength, but we know how he's rated. We know what people thought of him. We know how people recruited him. 
You get him to come in and help. Hell, even if he's a swing tackle that you feel good playing at left and right, and you've got two other starters that are come in, that is a lot more than what Auburn's had the last three, four years anyway. Because they're, we know what the depth issues have looked like at tackle. That's all I'm going to say. Unfortunately, some of that's been injury-based, and you can't really control that. Some of it's been performance and just guys that just aren't, aren't ready to get it done. But I'm anxious to see that group. So I, I would just kind of keep an eye on the two tackle spots, who's repping where, and are they moving around? You know, who's, who's maybe getting reps at right and left? Is somebody kicking down to guard, trying to get some reps there? It'll all play out through the spring, and it won't be a finished product then. But I think you'll get a little bit of an idea of who's going to be where and how they can potentially help. All right, also, uh, when you look at that wide receiver spot, who are these quarterbacks going to be thrown to? Javarius Johnson gives you a little bit more speed. Uh, I think Coy Moore comes in and probably going to be able to help you out some. Cam Brown, I think, is going to be able to help you out a little bit. I think he's a guy I'm excited to watch and see can he develop over the course of the spring. Marcus Davis, you hear great things about him both analytically, both personally. Obviously, a former Auburn Tiger, so you love getting him back on the field. You got Zach Etheridge, you got Carnell Williams, you got Kendall Simmons on staff, so it's good to have a lot of former Auburn guys that be over there and be there to help. They know what it means. It means more to them. But that group has to progress a lot. I started with quarterback and O-line because I think those are the ones that we've been concerned about for a while. Those are the ones on the surface that are easy to spend the most time talking about going into this spring. But for me, now that O-line has been addressed the way that it has through the portal, this is the position to watch. Because this is the position that I thought after O-line had to be addressed in the portal. Maybe more so than quarterback. And the reason is some of those things I said about some potential development that may lie ahead with the quarterbacks that are on the roster right now. Wide receivers got to make strides. They, they've they've got to come along. There've got to be guys that can go win 50-50s. There've got to be guys who can go create separation. There've got to be guys that become somewhat of an eraser that can help quarterbacks that might not be elite go out and try to win football games. This is the, take high percentage throws, turn them into explosive plays. Uh, you know, take, take throws that aren't great or that aren't exactly where they need to be and go make a positive play out of it. So those are the things that need to happen. Don't do things that cost your team games. Don't, don't get tips that turn into interceptions. Don't drop balls that could convert third downs. This group needs to be those things if Auburn's going to find a way to win games. So I'm anxious to see how that group progresses going into the spring. You get Nick Martiner coming in from Cincinnati. I've said before, he, he's not a runner. He's not going past you. Um, you know, he's a bigger body, good red zone threat, but he gives you, he gives you a different thing physically, maybe outside of Landon King than Auburn has right now. We don't know exactly where Landon is going to end up. Does he move back down more towards a little bit of a flex tight end? Does he stay out of receiver? We'll see obviously how Marcus handles that through the course of spring, which kind of takes us to tight end. Renato Fairweather, we broke him down a couple of weeks ago on the show. Super athletic, giant catch radius, can run. FIU lined him up in the slot a lot versus both linebackers and safeties, and he continued to find ways to get open. I mean, he can go line up in the slot and run a slant versus a safety, create separation, get open, and he's got a big catch radius. And he's actually not – I'm not going to say he's a good blocker, but he has lined up in line a fair amount and at least understands what it's going to be like to be asked to do that. Now, in this league against these guys – I don't think Hugh's going to ask him to do that, and Phillip's going to ask him to do that a whole lot, but he's done it before, so you at least know you have that from a flexibility perspective. So that's good. So now, whether you have a Landon King, whether you have a Luke Deal, a Fairweather, or 
maybe even a Nick Martiner, bigger bodies you can move around. Like, so if you have Martiner and King in, is, this, is that 11? Is that 12 personnel if you only have one running back in the game? Is it, you know, are, are there no tight ends in the game? Is it, is it 10 personnel? I, that's where you start causing some confusion and doing some things through formations and personnel groupings that can give you massive advantages. Uh, which takes us to running back. Running back's pretty easy. Jarquez is going to be the guy. He'll be the workhorse. Um, I, I Everything you hear about Demario Olsen is fantastic. The work ethic, the mindset, the mentality. I mean, this is a kid that was asking to go play late last year when it would have cost him a red shirt. Basically went to that coaching staff and said, I don't care. I just want to help us win some games. If there's anything I can do, tell me, and I will go do that. That's the kind of individual you're dealing with here. So I want him to get more opportunities because I think he has the mindset that more players on this roster need to have. They need to see that, feel that, and become more of that. And then I've told you guys before, Brian Batty, we've, we've broken him down in some of our transfer discussions earlier on Cube Show Pod, where he's going to be a little bit of a jack-of-all-trades, a utility player, I think. He can come in be a Swiss Army knife, catch the ball out of the backfield. He'll be the back that you motion a little bit more. Uh, yeah, I talked to Travis Trickett about it when he was in South Florida. They love this kid. Uh, kind of similar to Austin, that the mindset, the demeanor, the attitude is exactly what you need. So Carnell's got a hell of a room. Uh, and not just from a talent perspective, but like this might be his easiest coaching job ever because it sounds like everybody in that room has their shit together and has their head on straight and wants to be great and does things the way that they need to be done. And let's face it, Auburn needs more of those guys in that brand new beautiful facility that they have. So I think running back is fine. You're not there's not a lot that I'm gonna really be watching there. Maybe how bad T is used a little bit more if Austin used different ways, but you got some depth. You've got some versatility. In this offense, that's going to be key. That's going to be good. Um, all right, over on defense, Ron Roberts' group. So this is going to be a multiple front. Uh, you'll get some even. You'll get a lot of four down. Uh, you will get some three down with a jack linebacker. They'll make that look like four downs. They'll do it different ways. Your jack linebacker probably going to be Elijah McAllister out of Vanderbilt. Not super productive. Not a guy that you know had 10 sacks in a season, eight sacks in a season, but he gives you the exact body style that you need. Um, he's played football in the SEC. That's massive. He understands the physicality, the speed, everything that's going to come right there at that spot. So he'll have a pretty good feel for it. But who else can help you there? Because I don't think he gives you a lot of juice from a pass rush perspective. And that might be my biggest question with this group is if you have to have, like on your money downs, who's getting to the quarterback? I, I feel pretty confident there's a couple guys who can get a push inside, but... I mean, there, there's not a Javon Kinlaw inside. You know what I'm saying? There's not a Richard Seymour inside that's just going to be dominant inside. So, I mean, you have some guys that'll be nice, but who's going to be able to get to the quarterback? Because last year you had two guys in Wooden and Hall that you felt pretty good about rushing the passer, and that wasn't even always there. It still became problematic at certain points in time. So I want to see an edge presence as far as getting to the quarterback, not setting the edge, being versatile, and being able to do all the things but being able to get to the quarterback. I want to see who that is. Speaking of the middle of that Auburn defense, Jason Jones, I think he can come along, and I think he can be a player. Uh, I've told you about Justin Rogers coming in from Kentucky. He'll be the nose. He's big time. Uh, he's a big time SEC football player. He will help this team greatly, uh, and he'll add a ton of depth because obviously at nose guard, you're not going to play one guy the whole game. Lawrence Johnson, I think out of Purdue, can play both. I think he can play D tackle and nose. He's a big body. He's done it at Purdue. We've seen him. We talked about him. Got good arm length, can strike and shed, a little bit of wiggle and pass pro. So he's a guy that I'm anxious to see how he helps the team out as well. Here's the name, though, that nobody's talking about for Auburn going into the spring, and that's Jeffrey Imba. 
Jimmy Brumball raved about this kid last year, and the athletic ability is off the freaking charts. Now, putting that together as a defensive lineman, we'll see. Really did start to come on before he got dinged up late last year. And a guy that you've seen flash, make some plays, do some things. I'm excited about Jeffrey Emba, especially with those other guys in that group. Uh, now, uh, Messiah Nasil Kite, we've talked about him, the Maryland transfer. Different body type that'll be a D-tackle, D-end. Uh, like a little bit of a sleeker, lighter body type that can has a little more wiggle. Great sideline to sideline speed. So I'd imagine you probably play him to the field, wide side of the field, because he can run a little bit more. doesn't need the boundary to be able to help you there. Uh, so he's somebody that can help that way. But I think all of a sudden, you got, you got Marcus Harris coming back. All of a sudden, like the interior of the D-line, it doesn't feel like it's a problem going into a spring. You're not, you're not staring down the barrel of a situation where, oh my God, we better develop four kids because we have no rotation up front. Like There's one who might help. Or this guy can help, but he's also going to have to play outside, inside, nose, three, five, whatever. Feels like you got a little depth there, and a lot of that depth can actually play and potentially help. Linebacker outside of Jack, uh, Demario Tolan's the dude. I've told you about his instincts, getting to plays before they develop, speed, quickness, athleticism. But now, the main thing I'm watching this spring is understanding the defense, learning the defense, being able to decipher how to make the calls, regurgitate the calls to everybody else. He needs to be that guy that I was talking about with Patrick, Tony, and Austin Armstrong down in Florida. They got to find this year. that Maybe they had when Ventrell Miller was in the lineup, but then when he was out, they didn't have that. And then now Austin's got to find it for the Florida Gators. DeMario's got to become that guy. And I have no reason to think that he's not or can't. It's just he hasn't been yet. So that's something that I want to hear about uh, that I'll be watching for, that I'll be trying to learn about Auburn's defense here in this spring session. And obviously, Austin Keys at will gives you that big thumper. So, you know, he gives you a guy that can play down. And listen, there's a lot of backside stuff that's happening now. We mentioned split zone, all right? With, with Cade uh, Priestcorn, it's going to Ole Miss, a split zone, tight end comes across. Like, you need a bigger body to be able to handle that sometimes counter a lot quarterback runs come backside plays are now being designed to bounce back you got to have a dude on that backside of your defense that can come down and be physical and austin keys gives you that he's a bigger body he's a similar body to cam riley who's already there who has played some good football he's also played some bad football i mean shit counter was the play that killed auburn more than any other play i think the entire season last year put the penn state film on i think they ran counter 20 times for like 185 yards so the backside of the defenses has got to be better, and you've got a body now that's going to be able to help you with that. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. And then Eugene Asante, Wesley Steiner, Robert Woodyard, how, where do these guys fit in? What positions are they playing? How versatile are they? Are they moving around? And then obviously how Josh Aldridge kind of handles all that. DB, I think you feel pretty comfortable with. And I think maybe too with Brian Batty at tailback, handling a little bit more of the special teams, maybe Donovan Kaufman doesn't have to do that. After being banged up last year, I'd love to see him just be a safety. Uh, he can help you in the return game. He's a great football player. He has great football instincts and smarts, but he can help you with what defenses need to be in today's day and age. Safety, nickel, moving around. He's a hybrid guy that just has a knack for getting to the football, but he's got to be healthy. And if you're playing down towards the box, you're going to get beat up. And Auburn needs him in the lineup this year. So between, you know, Puckett, Gilbert, and Kaufman, I think safety could be okay. And obviously corner, DJ James, Nehemiah Pritchett, Jalen Simpson, J.D. Ram, 
I don't think corner is going to really be an issue at, at all. I think you feel pretty confident about what you got there. So I guess the key takeaways, the key points of emphasis, if you're talking about Auburn in the spring, yes, quarterback, of course, it's important. We're thinking about that. We want to see that. The O-line, more where everybody ends up now that the talent discrepancy has been addressed, but wide receiver, who can step up? Who can maybe flash? Who can be a guy that people weren't expecting to be big time that can maybe go be big time? And if it's a collection of those guys who raise their game just a little bit, that might be enough to help this offense go a little bit more and be a little bit more than some people think. And that defensive line, those guys getting reps, I think the D-line's pretty healthy going into spring too. So that means a lot of reps for a lot of guys that can help. And Rodgers, Imba, Jones, all those guys. Now you go into a season with a rotation a rotational idea of what groups can help you win, how, where, and why, and not just, oh, God, how do we plug and play this man here and this guy there? So there's some real positives that could come out of this Auburn spring that I'm watching, that I'm excited to see, that we'll try to go learn about over the next couple of weeks. It's a long spring, so you know it's not going to really be compressed. You're not going to probably get – there might be some really good information that comes out late in the spring about what guys are doing and where guys are as far as their development. But wide receiver, I have to see. I would probably say on the defensive line, just kind of where some guys are lining up and then maybe linebacker would be one that I would pay attention to as well. I think the DBs will kind of handle themselves. Obviously, Etheridge is back there. Wesley McGriff is back. They'll they'll be fine kind of working that thing out. And of course, quarterback, we want to see what happens there. But if you're asking me one big question for just spring ball, I think it's wide receiver because I think offensive line now has not the exact numbers you want, but enough numbers to be able to manage things. And maybe it's just so much better than it's been in the past. I, I've, I have a better feeling about it than I should. But then also, you know, I've, I need to see some guys are going to go catch the football. How's Fairweather a tight end? Where's Landon King? Let's just say pass catchers. Ball catchers need to have a big spring for Hugh Freeze and this coaching staff. We're brought to you by Wickles Pickles, Blue Delta Jeans each and every week. College football content on Sundays. If you're watching it on YouTube, please subscribe. Please like. I'm supposed to tell you that. My producer's telling me that I got to hammer that, that I need to tell you that. You guys know I don't like asking you to do it. I'm not into telling you how important we are. You know, we got a couple people that are paying attention and watching. We appreciate that. Instagram, YouTube, at Cube Show. Go be a part of us there. We'll be back next week with more spring football previews. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening wherever you listen.